We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, what's up? Kevin Jones, founder of Blue Wire. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Do me a favor, send it to one of your friends. We're growing this network, grassroots style. It takes everyone. You're a part of our team if you send this to one of your friends. All right, enjoy this podcast and appreciate your support. Welcome to Cash Considerations, a Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here with Jason Patton. Jason, we have something to celebrate. It's the end of the Bulls season. We don't have to watch this garbage anymore. Thank God. I've been waiting for a while. These last couple weeks, we've been talking about it on the pod. Like, sorry, Walt Lemon Jr. Sorry, Jakar Sampson. It's really not, not into you at all. So sorry about that. But it's finally over. Bulls season ended on Wednesday. NBA season ended as well with a... 125-109 loss to the Philadelphia 76ers. It was a terrible game, of course. And the Sixers rested all five of their starters. The Bulls fed everybody hurt for three, two, three weeks. Uh, Sixers basically beat their ass from the start. Boban hit two three-pointers. Greg Monroe hit his first career three-pointer. Really thrill- thrilling stuff. And that dropped the Bulls to a final record this season of 22-60. and 60. That is after last season. And a season where everybody thought that they were going to be the worst team in the league, that they were going to be tanking all year. Last year, they won 27 games, and they dropped... Five in the win column this year, down to twenty-two and sixty. They also went nine and thirty-two at home, which was the worst mark in franchise history. They they cemented that with a with their second loss to the Knicks, who were the worst team in the league uh, in like two in the last like week or so. So that was that was great. So yeah, I mean, thank God the season's over. It's it was basically miserable from uh, from the very start. Outside of the one month of February where they played some fun basketball, where we got to have a little bit a little optimism, a little. A little fun, fun and games with, with with after the Otto Porter trade, but the last the last month or so was terrible with with everybody, everybody hurt. Now we move ahead to the off season, but we're going to talk about it this pod. Might as well talk about this season, everything that happened. We're going to talk about the John Paxson press conference, his his annual end of season presser. No Gar Foreman there, but I guess just first of all, we'll just go back over this dog shit of a season. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's get one thing straight though. Like coming into this. Uh, if you listen to the John Paxson press conference today, he used the excuse of injuries every single time he was asked a question. I would say 90% of the questions, uh, he was like, well, you know, we had the injuries and we think next year, uh, if our guys are healthy throughout the year, we're going to be a lot better. I think that John Paxson, you know, 
based on his end of season press conference from last year, he thought no chance in the world would the Bulls be worse than they were last season when they won 27 games. Well, guess what, buddy? They won 22 games this year. Absolutely unbelievable. But what is the thing you need to remember about this, Jason, this is about as bad as the Bulls were supposed to be. The over under at the very start of the season was 30 wins. I think that if the Bulls were healthy uh, the majority of the year, if they just had, let's say, you know, a reasonable bill of health in the NBA, even if they were mostly healthy, 30 is probably about where they would have landed. I can't imagine they would have added any more than eight wins. Totally agree with you there because I, I said that they were going to go over. Well, they that's the over under started like 27 and a half and people were kind of optimistic about that. And I'm not going to lie. I, I kind of bought into the hype so that that line went up to 30 and I still thought that they were going to go over. But you're totally right. I did not expect them even obviously whatever the injuries. They did have some injuries. Lowry got hurt right away. Denzel Valentine, whatever. Chris Dunn, Bobby Portis. There were there were a lot of injuries, but whatever. Still, like even when they were healthy, they they were a mostly healthy team in what was it December or January when they lost like 14 games in a row. Like we saw them play some real dog shit basketball when they were healthy. So yeah, like I mean, if they would have and and no team ever has perfect health, they're always gonna miss guys. So like. They probably like 30 wins probably would have been the best case scenario. And you talked about the thing where Paxton like never like uh whatever imagined like them being worse again like this year than they were last year. I mean he even said it at the end of the press conference last season. He was like, I don't envision going through something like this again. And they end up it ended up being even worse. Like embarrassing losses galore. We'll talk about that in a bit. This season, I feel like the the, the tanking lineups were even worse. Obviously, with what quote unquote injuries. Like I feel like they were definitely milking like the Zach Levine injury. And I was totally fine with it. I obviously like at this point, you shut those guys down. The Levine injury, the Chris Dunn back injury, Otto Porter, multiple injuries. Lowry had his health scare. So there's any, there any, there's good news is Lowry was gil- given a clean bill of health uh, after his, his, like the heart issue he had and the extreme fatigue. So he was fully cleared for basketball activities. So that's at least a good thing. Uh, but yeah, like that, I feel like a, I, I bought into the optimism a bit, optimism a bit. And I fell for it hook, line and sinker. I wasn't one of those C red fans who like, oh yeah, they're definitely gonna be in the playoffs. But I thought maybe they could get to in the mid low to mid thirties and wins if like a decent amount went right. I feel like after watching the season and watching a lot of these guys play, like they would have been lucky to win. I guess thirty, like you said, thirty. And here's the other thing, you know, the Bulls were so optimistic coming into this season in part because they signed Jabari Parker. Yeah. In the end, the best move they made the entire year was trading Jabari Parker for Otto Porter, a player who can actually uh, provide some versatility and balance to the lineup a little bit with some shooting, with some defense. That was a good move by Paxson and Foreman. They actually did make some good trades uh, in the middle of the year. That trade obviously was uh, a home run, in my opinion, for the Bulls, even with Porter being on the books for the next two years, about $25 million a year. They also made a great trade dealing Justin Holiday yep. for two second-round picks. They got Wayne or Wayne Seldon out of that, too. Don't forget Marshawn uh, Brooks, who they immediately and, waved, but shout-out to Marshawn Brooks. I feel like I love And shout-out to both legend Mar- Marshawn Brooks. But <laughs> So, uh, the fa- like, this roster was so bad on paper from the very beginning, and they had no idea because – they legitimately thought they signed their small forward of the future when they signed Jabari Parker. So yeah, talking talking about that that and just like I feel like we they kind of lucked out. You've talked about this before about how they lucked out with like the Bobby Portis extension. Did you read about the the trade rumor with the Lakers and Jabari after like the that whole like column the Athletic uh, that yeah that was the right, KCP yeah basically that the Bulls were 
in line to trade Jabari to the Lakers for KCP and Michael Beasley, which would have done like absolutely nothing. I mean, KCP is not any good. Uh, obviously, Michael Beasley is, is a nobody at this point. So like, and they, so they end up that ended up getting uh, those talks broke down. I think because of the Anthony Davis trade request. Like once that happened, and everyone knew that Davis wanted to go to the Lakers, that kind of just fell apart. And I think I think KCP had to like approve the trade or something. And he's a Rich Paul client too. I'm pretty sure. So there's a whole mess there. But imagine if that would have happened instead. Like I'm, I would not surprise me if the Bulls do not go on the big February run. Like obviously Zach and and Lowry were the were the main catalyst for that. But Otto was was so helpful for stabilize the lineup but that didn't happen i mean maybe we're looking at the bulls winning like 18 or 19 games if they end up getting kcp uh and michael beasley instead of Otto porter jr and then uh you mentioned the and the bobby portis thing they get they kind of got lucky there so even like the good moves that they did make with they almost kind of lucked into them yeah and you know the the parker move was so similar to the wade move in that it was motivated more by like the marketing department than it was uh encore trying to win games and i know we're not spinning it forward too far here but you know you can already see the red flags that they're they're probably gonna sign Derek rose <laughs> which i think would be a disaster i do not want them to sign rose if you go back into my archives if you google my name and d rose uh, i've written a lot of glowing things about Derek rose in the past uh at this point just i do not want Derek rose on the bulls it's like all not, i just not, yeah it would just make the entire season such a disaster. I would feel like I, I, I just wouldn't want to like ever say anything positive about D Rose after everything he's been dealing with off the court, uh, and I just don't, I just don't want that on this team. But it would be such a classic Bulls move. Yeah, I think it'd be a circus. Like I think it'd be crazy. Like uh, I mean, just I mean, you obviously the off the court stuff is obviously the bad, the whole rape trial. Is bad even just looking at just the basketball stuff like i mean he even this year he had a good season this year with the timberwolves he still only played 50 like 50 or 51 games he missed like a over like he missed like a third of the season he got he just had elbow surgery uh i mean the bulls need like stability they need they they need like a, just a stable point guard whether to whatever help so if they draft somebody or just a stable starting point guard to push chris dunn or start over chris dunn and have chris dunn be the backup like they can't rely on rose like they spent so many years waiting for him to come back. And obviously like the, the ACL injury, which the, like Paxson loves bringing up, like it was brutal. And they spent whatever, he was still on the team, whatever, five years, five seasons after that, four or five seasons after that, they spent so much time waiting for him to come back and just never worked out. They trade him. Like it's just, and now you're in the middle of a rebuild where you're looking to take a step forward. Like I just, just doesn't make any sense to me. Like, and I, and I definitely already see it. Like, st- uh, I mean, they talked about it all this week that he was on the score, BJ Armstrong, uh, was like, oh yeah, well he'd listen if the if the Bulls are interested. And Stacey King brought it up on the broadcast. Like everyone's asking me about D Rose, and obviously the D Rose documentary on Stadium just came out, the Pooh documentary. And I think he said some stuff there, asking about it coming back. He's like, well, you know, like I, I, my ears are open. Like if they want, they want me back. And the wheels are definitely definitely in motion for them to possibly do it. I honestly have no idea if the Bulls want to do it. I mean, I feel like they wouldn't, shouldn't like just. Again, I feel like it'd be a goddamn circus. It would be horrible. Just please, Bulls, pass on that. If you just want to like ruin any semblance of good vibes you have going into next season, uh, sign Dero's. They really don't need to do that. Uh, but I feel like know. a lot of people. I feel like a lot of people would bring would think that would think good vibes though. I mean, there's so many so many fans. Obviously, are still pro Dero's, and I get it. 
he, he meant so much to the city. He still means a lot to the city, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that. Like he used to be, he used to be my favorite player as well. I just like, I think they just got to move past it. Like down the line and a few years from now, if they want to bring him back for like whatever, like a retirement tour of some kind, they could retire his Jersey. Fine. I just, now is not the time. Yeah. Because I mean, what was he? he I think he shot 5% from three over the last 17 games of the season. That was the stack going around on NBA Reddit. Anyways, yeah. uh, you know, He's back to this season. It's just, it's just like they repeated the same mistake with Wade as they did with Park yeah. with Parker. You know what I mean? So uh, it, it's going to be hanging out there. That's going to be something that's going to be probably the, one of the most talked about things with the Bulls, the entire yeah. offseason. And they do have twenty million, but uh, back to this year. So just a disaster from the very start because of the injuries. Larry Markkinen hurt. Uh, in training camp, right? It was like the first, first week, first maybe the day, first day, first day of yeah. training camp. Yeah, yeah, and just I mean, total setback. It was Lowry all for all reports had a great, great, great summer. We saw the pictures of him yoked on Twitter. He added like fifteen pounds of muscle, and that's and people were expecting a big leap year two, and just to have that setback right away. And then Denzel got hurt, and he just never ended up playing. And then the like the first week of the season. Chris Stone and Bobby Portis went down. I don't really know how much that actually affected things. thing was those guys aren't actually good. Turns out they're not actually any good. But, I mean, just the cascading effect. Even I mean, even if those guys aren't that good, when you end up having to play Jabari big minutes, and I mean, and he was a disaster as well just in general. I mean, there's Jabari definitely came to camp out of shape. I know he's been very def- defensive about that. He did. There was a night. There were a couple of good articles. So there was at least one big article in The Athletic, uh, an interview with him, and he was very defensive about – the criticism of him coming out into camp out of shape. I feel like he, I mean, he definitely did, right? It looked, he looked slow. He looked big. He played horrible. Like he came out, he came, he got a little bit better as the year went on and he played pretty damn well with the Wizards. I feel like that that is proof that he was not prepared for the season at all, which is just like, which makes just all the more infuriating. Like people weren't, weren't happy with the signing. A lot of people weren't happy with the signing when it happened. And then for him to come in and just, be awful from the start. And Fred recognized it right away. I feel like we talked about the the fourth preseason game. Yeah, yeah, he recognized it and he he bailed on the small forward thing like without even trying. He's like, "This isn't going to work. Like, I, this is not what I want to run." Like, just from the start, that was a disaster. And so then you when you you when you got basically half a roster and and basically Zach Levine carrying the team, it was just really tough to watch. And the first couple months were brutal. They had the Warriors debacle where Clay Thompson whatever hit was it 13, 14 three pointers NBA record. Uh, John Paxson got super mad after that game, I guess. I think he like called like a team meeting after that game. Uh, and that was basically the beginning of the end for Fred. And he got they were five and nineteen when he got fired right at the beginning of December. And right right when Lowry was coming back. I think Lowry came back for the Rockets right. game in Houston. They got they got blown out. They got blown out by Houston. And then and then they fired Fred. And like the discussion on Bulls Twitter at the time was like, well, maybe if they started marketing in that game, things would have been because because they brought marketing off the bench. It was totally oh, ridiculous right. from the very start. The Bulls set Fred Hoiberg up to fail. I mean, this was a decision to me that was totally premeditated before the year even started. I think Paxson realized he was done with them. I think he realized that he wanted Boylan installed as the head coach. Because if you just, especially if you look at the timing of this, I mean, yes, they were five and nineteen, but to only give Hoiberg one game with Markinen when this entire season was supposed to be about you know development of all the young pieces, Fred never got a chance to do that because Lowry was hurt at the beginning of the year, because Dunn was hurt at the beginning of the year too, right? 
Yeah, he got hurt. Like, because he missed like the first game, first couple games, I think, with like he had like a kid, and then he came back, I think, for the Mavericks game, and he like and he like suffered like a torn MCL and missed like a month. Yeah, and then Portis, and then Portis missed right after that. Like, and you know they just didn't have an NBA small forward on the entire yeah. roster. Right. I mean, they were playing um, Hutchinson. Hutchinson uh, was in his first few games as a rookie. They totally botched the Jabari signing. They thought he was going to be their three. I don't so, know who else I mean, was playing at small forward, like. It was Justin Holiday. That's right. Yeah, that's right. I totally, I, mean, I totally forgot about Holiday. I'm like, Holiday played. He tried his best. He had some really nice home games, but ultimately, I mean, he's not. He's thanks not for a the second round kill. picks, man. Yeah, thanks for those second round picks, bro. Uh, but yeah, it's like Hoiberg was set up to fail from the very start, uh, and Boylan was really set up to look good because, uh, you know, he was getting everyone back as soon as he took over as the coach. And what happens? Under Jim Boylan, nothing but instant embarrassment, Jason. Yeah. Uh, first game under Boylan is, it was December 4th against the Pacers. They played tough. That was when I think – I'm pretty sure he brought out the road dog thing, like literally that day. One. That day. Uh, no, they, they lost. They lost 96-90, but they played a close game against a good Pacers team. I think that was before Oladipo got hurt. So they played them tough, and it was a slow, slow-paced defensive game. And I'm pretty sure he brought, like he mentioned, the road dog mentality, like that first game. Um, then th- the second game as, as coach actually was one of their best wins of the season at home against Oklahoma City. Yeah, uh, close game at the end. I think Lowry had the game winning basket. Uh, he had a huge game. They won like 114 to 112, something like that. It was a close game, great game. People are all excited. Literally the next night is the Celtics disaster. One of the most embarrassing losses, arguably the most embarrassing loss in team history by 56 points followed up by the whole fucking mutiny that that, that is kind of it's kind of crazy that, that that almost doesn't even feel like this season it was so long ago but the damn mutiny they almost they almost the boylan calls uh practice the next day after that back-to-back after they lose the Celtics by 56 he talked about what is it the double loss what do you remember what the exact what yeah was? so what loss? happened was that he pulled the starters like at the right. end of the third quarter and that's why they ended up losing by 56 he would have just you know, played the guy's normal minutes. Uh, you know, maybe that's a 30-point loss or something, but it's not so embarrassing. It's the worst, one of the worst losses in franchise history. Well, Boylan's rationale during that was that, you know, if he played the starters their normal minutes in the game, then they couldn't practice the next day. <laughs> yeah. And this was the during loss. the start. Yeah, so it's a double loss, right? Well, you can't spell bowls without two L's. That was one of my favorite lines <laughs> Stephen told us earlier this year. Uh but yeah, it was just like totally ridiculous because that was at the beginning of the year when Boylan was running this team like they were a JV high school team, basically. That's when uh, the push-ups came into play. That's when the wind sprints came into play. Uh, he was really pushing the players hard in practice in early December, right when he took over to set a tone, to establish uh, his alpha male dominance over these NBA players. Got to, got to walk before you crawl or crawl before you walk. What the hell he kept saying about their offense. Yeah, this was the game. Then the game after the Celtics game, they hosted the Kings and the Kings beat them by 20. And they were like clowning them as they were leaving the court. They got clowned by the Kings who the Kings had a nice season and then proceeded to go fucking Kings and everybody in like clean house. Vladi, shout out to Vladi for uh, just going ape shit on his, on his coaching staff and his front office. But yeah, you're getting clowned by the Kings, both on the court and afterwards, with their players like mocking Boylan. Uh, and also, I don't think we've even talked. I mean, speaking of mocking Boylan, there was the the athletic. I don't. I don't think we've talked about this yet. I, I think this came out after our last pod. 
the athletic did a, a player survey. They surveyed a bunch of players asked a bunch of different questions. And they asked the question is like, who would you like, who, which coach would you like least like to play for? Tibbs was number one at like 34%. And then Boylan was number two, the, like the ble- two of the three last bulls coaches at this point, which just like, you'd think that would embarrass the front office, but that was why like the mutiny and stuff like this and the pushups, like D- I think D'Angelo Russell did the pushups like, and was like mocking them, mocking Boylan, like did, doing pushups right in front of their bench. Like, Boylan embarrassed them for those first, whatever, couple months that he was there. It was, it was brutal. It was awful. Yeah, and, you know, that falls on John Paxson because John Paxson was the one who premeditated the decision to fire Fred Hoiberg. He was the one who wanted to install Boylan uh, at that time of the year, right when everyone was getting healthy. And uh, to me, a lot of the Bulls' most embarrassing moments this season, and God, you can start right up front with signing Jabari Parker and thinking that he was going to be an NBA-level small forward, all started with the front office. So you can talk yourself into the front office drafting two pretty good-looking young players with their last two first-round picks in marketing and Wendell Carter. But I swear to God, Jason, every time they take a step forward, they take two steps back. Yeah, it's tough. Like, that's, it. I, that, that's why like, I'm not really sure where I'm at with this team. Like, I like some of these players. Like, I like Lowry and Wendell. Like, I think like Zach Levine, as bad as the Bulls were this year, I feel like Zach Levine was better than anybody really could have hoped this season. He's obviously still got his warts, but like he was pretty darn good this year. Like I feel like he's worth he's worth this contract now. But like so like I feel like decent about these guys, but like I don't love the coach. Like I feel like and we'll talk more about that, especially when we get into Paxson's press conference later. Like it's I'm just like I'm I'm conflicted. Like I want to I want to feel good about the Bulls and I like some of these players, but ultimately like come I don't on, know. man. <laughs> Just watching that press conference today, I'm like, this is totally hopeless until Paxton Foreman are gone. Like, I know. Uh, I guess like we'll we'll get back, we'll get into that a bit later. I guess going we we'll talk about we're talking about embarrassing moments. We kind of talked about this before the pod. The amount of bad losses. So I, one thing that Paxton mentioned when he fired Hoiberg was like the lack of spirit, the lack of competitiveness, and like the bad losses. They had a lot of bad losses this season, game. and a lot of them under Boylan. Yeah. So let's just. Let's go to after, like, I don't want to even do the beginning of the year, and we'll cut out the end of the year, too. They, they lost some bad games at the end of the season when they were playing a G League team. Obviously, that's fair. Like, you're playing complete bums. After Once Boylan took over, we had the 56-point loss to the Celtics. That was that was number one. Uh, let me find that again. 56 points to, to the Celtics. The, then the next game, 19-point loss at home. So that's two straight home losses. They just got completely run off the court. So that's 19-point home loss to the Kings. Uh, they lost by to the Thunder after beating the Thunder at home. Then they went to Oklahoma City a few weeks later. They lost by twenty five, uh, and then there was a stretch where they won two. They won two out of three games because they beat the Magic and they beat the Cavs. Whoop to do. Come back home after beating the Cavs by twenty. They lose. They lose at home by twenty five to the Timberwolves. T Wolves weren't very good this year. Uh, they lost. And then they we flip over to the new year. They. They uh, the last game of t- of 2018 they played t- close against the Raptors they were feeling all road doggy they only lost by six had a chance then that was the beginning of like a like a ten game losing streak where they lost like four ten fifteen so during this losing streak they lost at home to the Magic by twenty eight what am I am I doing this math right twenty eight at home they lose at home to the Nets by seventeen they lose at Golden State by thirty seven. They lose at Denver by 30. They lose at home against the Heat by 14. They lose at home against the Hawks by 20. Uh, and they, like, ended this really terrible stretch. They lost to the Cavs, the Cavs at home. That was only a three-point loss. But, I mean, just right there, just, like, just over and over, just getting your ass beat ha- night in and night out. And this was when they were mostly healthy. This is when they had 
Levine and Markkanen, and this is like right before Wendell got hurt. This is a mostly healthy team, just losing every basically every night and every other night they're getting their ass beat, and like it was just not acceptable. And there were some other there were some other bad losses in there throughout the season, even. Uh, obviously they had the good, the good February slash or the good February. And then things kind of went downhill again. They, they got blown out by the Pistons. Uh, they got blown out by the Lakers. That was what, that was when they started to kind of rest guys again. And it was, and it was all over. Like, and they, they lost to the Kings and they get, they got blown out twice by the Kings. this year. they lost by 27 to the Kings. And then that was basically, that was basically, it. that was when the G league stuff started. So yeah, so many embarrassing moments to pick from, from the two Warriors games from the Celtics game to the mutiny, just like the Bulls were laughing sock for much of the season. And I it, love it the was game. Just They're playing the Bucks on ESPN. They're up 18 at oh, halftime. Yeah. Cody Westerland, yes. uh, beat reporter for the score, tweets out, do you think the yeah. Bulls will win this game with an 18-point halftime lead? Overwhelmingly, I think it was like 65-35. People voted no. And, of course, the Bulls lose that game by 20. There's a 40-point swing in the second <laughs> half. Uh, and for all the garbage about like bulls across the chest and spirit and competitive fire, yeah, if you guys had any goddamn spirit, you wouldn't be losing by 50 points like nine times this season. It was just totally embarrassing. Like, not only did this front office legitimately think that they were going to be better than last year, not only did they think that they could perhaps get in the mix to make a push for the eighth seed, they certainly didn't think that they were going to be getting clotheslined, uh, you know, basically oh, twice no. a month this year uh, with these unbelievably yeah. humiliating losses. And yeah, that that's one thing about this season I'll never forget. Yeah, it was bad. So, so that was really bad. Obviously, we've been very negative. So we're, it's you can only be so positive or about a sixty-one season. They did have the good February, and on this podcast, we were very. Appreciative of that February for actually seeing some actual competent basketball. That was really nice. Uh, we really we saw Zach and Lowry really meshed really nicely together. Gave some hope hope for the future. Uh, even then, during that February, the record still wasn't that great. I think they went around 500 because the defense was still terrible all season. Like as good as their offense was that month, and I think they were something like third in offensive rating uh, that month. And that was like, that was again, that was with Lowry and Zach both, both playing like the best months of their lives. So it, it just it came together really well. Otto came over and was shooting the lights out. Robin Lopez was all of a sudden like fucking Kareem down in the post, giving Stacy King a lot of work because he had, Stacy did his thing with naming like an old school post player. Every time Robin Lopez dropped a little sweeping hook on somebody's head, but they were actually fun to watch for that month. And they gave us something to look forward to. So I guess my question to you is like, how, how much do you believe in that February? Like, because I feel like they're definitely they're hanging their hat on that February being what they're going to be next season. Like that's I think they think they're going to be like a five hundred ish team, maybe a little better because of what they did in February. Like, do you believe in that? Like, do you think they can sustain that over a full season? I guess some of that does depend on what happens in the draft if they get signed Williamson, what they do in free agency, something like that. But like, I mean, how much? Do you, how much stock do you put into that February compared to what happened the rest of the season? So just to be in contention for the eight seed, I think they would have to win like 19 more games. Yeah. That's an incredible jump. It's a big jump. Yeah. I mean, that a lot has to go right. I mean, that that's counting. That's basically, they probably can't have any major injuries. And like, there's always major injuries. And we're dealing with guys who've had injury problems. Like Zach said, the knee problems, Lowry's had some problems, like, that, that I feel like every, would, everything would have to go right to the, for them to get to get forty wins, and and again, like the, they have to improve so much defensively as well. Like you, they were they were they were really good offensively that month, and they still like 
had they still won a couple really close games and they probably should like the Haw- the Hawks four OT game they should not have won that game they won that game they basically lucked out with those four overtimes they should have lost in regulation they they tie they got a t- the, the three point nonsense foul at the end of uh, an auto port junior sent it to regulation they end up pulling it out and they won the magic game on the road uh uh basically on a three point shot that or three point foul uh and Aaron Gordon on Larry Markin and Larry hit the hit the free, free throws to win so like if they lose those couple games instead that February all of a sudden I think they're like a couple games under 500 still doesn't look that great the offense was much better but they still weren't that good in that February and they have to do that over a full season stay healthy like I I I do think they'll be better. Like I'm very intrigued about next season, especially depending on what happens this offseason. I think there's a path to them possibly fighting for the for for a playoff spot. But I feel like people who like if that's the expectations, I think that's just way too high. And that's right? the expectations too. It almost feels like you know how high is the ceiling going to be, even if they do get that playoff bid next year. Right? It's like now we're selling out for the eighth seed, but like where's the long-term plan of building them into an actual contender? You know what I mean? Like that is why they traded Jimmy Butler. That's why we endured these two terrible years of, you know, 24 win basketball on average uh, is not because they wanted to make the eight seed again, uh, which they did with Jimmy Butler. It's because they wanted to build a team that could compete long-term in the Eastern conference uh, and be one of the better teams in the conference. Well, uh, unless there's some major internal improvement, and obviously it starts with Wendell Carter, him only being 19 years old his entire rookie season, uh, he's going to be a really good player. And I think that you know he looked impressive, especially on the defensive end uh, in the limited minutes he's that he did have this year. And then you know you expect Markinen to have a jump in him. Really, his sophomore season numbers on on average were pretty similar to his rookie year. Yeah. Uh, he did have some hot stretches in there most notably in February, but those two guys are going to need to take big steps up in their play. Cause I think we saw Levine do it this year. I don't know if Levine is another gear though. Like it would be foolish to expect Levine, uh, you know, to average what 27 again, what do you average this year? Like 23 or 24, like 20, 23, 24. He got his assists and rebounds to like, he's like, it he was like 23, four and four, maybe 23, five and five. Something like that. Yeah. And he was, and he was pretty efficient. So like, yeah, if, if Levine is what he is, I think that's good. Like I said, I think his contract at 19 million a year, I think if you're putting up whatever, 20, an efficient 23 a game and you're a really good and you're averaging four or five assists a game, I think his contract is worth it, even with his bad defense. But yeah, the question is, can, can he take it to another level? Can he average 26, 27 a game and like six or seven assists as like a pri- as like your primary ball handler? I don't think that's something that should be counted on. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it could happen. Like I, I, I hate just like totally putting a ceiling on guys, but sometimes guys break out. We saw Jimmy Butler. Nobody thought Jimmy Butler would turn into what he did. And he, I mean, the year before he turned in a most improved player, like he was just like a guy. He, I know he had like the foot problems or whatever, but he's just a guy, like a nice defensive minded player. And then all of a sudden he was like, he turned in like an alpha dog. And then like the next year he turned in like a borderline top 10 player. Like I don't want to put a ceiling on really any of these guys, but like it, you can't always like a lot. Of, I feel like with young teams, you look any fan base like you you see these young players and you, everyone assumes that they're going to get like they're all going to get better like the it's just like linear like linear improvement all of them get better it just doesn't work that way like you you, you look at a team like the suns like the suns that people thought they were going to maybe take a jump this year they ended up even worse i think even worse than it last year like and they had with devin booker who's I mean, we, I feel like we like to compare Devin Booker and Zach Levine and Devin Booker's puts up huge numbers. He ended the year putting up like 50 multiple 50 point games, 
like just crazy counting stats, but like it for the whole team to come together, like it just, it's just not as simple as like if these guys like all just getting better, better together. Like it's a, it is a process. That's why the trust the process was a thing, but we, we just can't expect every player to automatically get better. It just doesn't work like that. I think that's well said, Jason. Yeah. Well, thank you. Uh, so yeah, so I guess we, after there's really no reason to talk about the end of the season after that February, uh, obviously, they were playing again. Apologies to Walt Lemon Jr. Got his own episode uh, who, of this podcast. We did a Walt Lemon episode. He did. He did. We did. Yeah, he got he got a headline out of that. Uh, who? Although I, I I did not watch that much of these last couple of weeks. I did watch the last game of the year, uh, and Walt like people. He Walt Lemon, I guess, said that he patterns his game after D Rose. Like he wears twenty five. He's from Chicago. He honestly does look like he does kind of look like him when he plays. Like he's like a homeless man's left-handed Derrick Rose. It was actually kind of incredible watching it. It was because you just kind of kind of see like the D Rose like movements in there. But yeah, so that was kind of interesting. And the, uh, I guess there were other, the other guys playing for roster spots because it's Jagar Sampson, Brandon or Brandon Sampson, I think Raleigh Elkins, those guys weren't doing anything. And like Arch and Blakeney shout out to Arch. And I think he ended up like 40 minutes short of his uh, 2000 minutes and his starter criteria. So his qualifying offer will be, uh, Bulls win, man. Bulls win. They save a million dollars by screwing over Ryan Archie Diacono. Bulls win. So I guess this is win a, of the year, yeah. dude. I guess this is a perfect. <laughs> yeah, there you go. There you go. Uh, helps with the cash. All the cash helps. I guess this is a perfect time to transition into uh, the John Paxson press conference today. Uh, and Becky, we we have mentioned some of what he was talking about today. Like he mentioned the injuries a lot. Uh, but I guess the biggest news that came out of today is that Jim Boylan is coming back for next season and that he might even be getting an extension. Uh, Paxson said today that they were, that it could happen, that they were working on it. And then basically right after Paxson's press conference, uh, Joe Collier, the Chicago Sun times reported that they might be working on a three-year extension. Like, I don't know if that means like ripping up next season and making it like next season plus two years, or if that's three years on top of next season, like, I mean, and, and Paxson, it, it's they've they've been doing it all season since they hired Boylan, just absolutely gushing about Jim Boylan. They they love his passion. They love. I mean, it, it's just clear that at this point that Jim Boylan is like is basically an extension of John Paxson, like on the coaching. That's staff. why Paxson likes him. He said it yeah. today. He's like the communication we've had with Jim has been better than the communication I've had with all the other coaches combined. Well. Then Paxson, you know what? It's just more proof that all of this garbage is on you, dude. It's like yeah, he, yeah. Boylan is the coach because he's just you know an extension of Paxson on the team. It's the closest Paxson could come to coaching the team without ha- actually having to go through the stress and the humiliation of coaching this team himself. Uh, and it's just it's just so insane that Jim Boylan, if he gets a three year extension, man, we're potentially insane. two years. Of Jim Boylan. Now I get their motivation is that they don't want him going into next season as a lame duck coach. Me, one more year. To me, a lame duck coach only matters in college when you have guys, when you're like recruiting guys and you're trying yeah. to keep guys. This is the NBA. There's so much roster turnover in the NBA anyway. You don't need to, like, they think they're saving themselves embarrassment by not making him a lame, lame duck coach, that they're like saving face. By giving him a new contract, no, you're just humiliating yourself even more and costing yourself even more money because this guy cannot be the long-term coach of the team. And if you actually think he is John Paxson, then you're a bigger moron than anyone else believed in the first place. It's just such a hard sell at this point because, like, 
what we've seen in the product at the court, the stuff we've seen on like some of the other, like this on the sidelines, the quotes, some of the stuff with other coaches with like doc rivers, with the sun's coach, just like, just like a lot of embarrassment. Like, but they're like, they we're not in their building though. So we're like, we don't see them like the coaching, like Paxson talks about how he loves, like how he teaches and like the passion, like how much he cares about it. And like, you mentioned the communication, like, I've, I that they've talked more than like anybody else, any other like previous coach has like by like a lot. I, I feel like it's there's clearly like two peas in a pod. Like I would not surprise me if Boylan like sucks up to Paxton like a whole lot. And I think uh, your friendly Bulls blogger Matt mentioned this yesterday where Boylan came out and like thanked everybody like just like lay, was laying it on thick, thanking like the front office and management and ownership for the opportunity. It's, they just seem like, I mean, and I feel like the front offices, they know that they have a guy that they can kind of, they, they could really work with with Boyle and they really mesh just the hard, the old school, hard nose style. And just, they really, they really like it. And since we're not in their building, we can't, we can't appreciate it. We can't see what they're doing. But when you see what we've seen, I mean, just based on what we've seen from the outside and you see polls where NBA players, a bunch of NBA players say they wouldn't want to play for Jim Boylan, like, I mean, I just, I just don't know how like you're supposed to sell that to a fan base. Like, I feel like that's crazy. Like three, like three years. I mean, I guess if you want to give him an extension, maybe tack on another year, maybe two. But you're going to commit to him for three years. This is after you didn't really do a coaching search for Hoiberg. They basically they, they had him basically locked in from the start, and they give him five years, and then they they cast him aside, and then they take his associate head coach. Basically, I mean, it's not like Boylan. They, they took Boylan from somewhere else. Boylan was on Hoiberg's staff, and they're going to take him and possibly give him a three-year extension. So again, no coach, coaching search again. Like I feel like that's just crazy. Like that's not looking anywhere else for for just maybe doing something innovative or something. Just keeping it in house with this dude that they really like, this meat meat head coach that they really like, and again, not doing a coaching search. I feel like, I feel like that's just wild. Well, the thing is, because they have no accountability from ownership, that they just want someone who's going to be on the same page as them and not someone who's yeah. going to challenge them. That's the thing, because Thibodeau knew they were idiots. Hoiberg knew they were idiots. Like, Hoiberg realized that Jabari Parker wasn't going to be an NBA starting small forward in about two minutes, whereas his dumbass bosses thought that this was going to be the small forward of the future. So Boylan is a change of pace from that, because Boylan is probably never – I mean, he's never getting another NBA head coaching job again. This is it. So the best way he can ensure his job security – isn't really by winning because he doesn't really have a chance to win. It's just by sucking up to his bosses. So that's why Paxson and Foreman like him so much because they'll actually talk to him where Hoiberg knew they were dumbasses and so did Thibodeau. Yeah. I mean, can't really say much besides that. Like I, like I hope that somehow that Boylan gets through to this team. Like they, they tried to sell the stuff about Zach Levine, like paying his fine and that, some of the other co- the other players in the roster have talked about that always that, that he's fine that it's good that they that they're starting to get on the same page. Like I, I'm going to be very skeptical about it. Like I, I hope Jim Boylan works out. Like I said I hope that he could and the Bulls can shove it in my face. But just like right now, it's just such a tough, such a tough sell. Uh, and and Gar Foreman's not going anywhere, which is none of this is surprising, of course. Like we we all came into this press conference basically expecting. Boiling back, I wasn't expecting, I guess, a three-year extension, but I, I think I mentioned on a previous pod that I kind of figured that they would, that they would give him some kind of a, an extension. I was not expecting three years, but no, I feel like none of it was surprising. Make the injury excuse wasn't surprising. The boiling stuff not surprising. There was some really weird stuff in there about like about about the injuries stuff about like how the players like well 
it was almost like blaming the players for uh, the, some of the injuries that happened. I can't, I don't have the quote in front of me. I don't know if you do, but it was something to the effect of like how well, you know, like we have these nice facilities here. Like it's up to these players to really take advantage of them and like make sure that they, it was basically almost blaming them for injuries and like not, and then like absolving everybody else. Like, it was That's, very kind of bizarre. It's you, never John Paxson's fault, man. It's something he said at the beginning of the year where he was like, you know, we have the the talent in this building to win. Now it's up to the players to see what they can do with it. It's like, no, dude, you built a shitty team because you're a shitty GM who has a shitty ability to evaluate talent. So he can say, you know, this isn't my fault every single time. Oh, the players get hurt. It's not my fault. Oh, we suck. It's not my fault. At the end of the fucking day, you moron, you built this team and you have no accountability. So yeah, it is your fault. It's your blood all over this garbage. This bloody garbage, Jason. The the accountability thing it really is just so annoying because we saw and it's it was and we saw the Wizards, they just they just fired their longtime 16 years, Ernie Grunt. I'm pretty sure Ernie became GM there like either right before or right after Paxson. So like he's gone now. And then we kind of we saw across the league. I mentioned the Kings. Not that you want I guess Michael Reinsdorf wanted the Bulls to be the Kings. And I actually didn't even think that was that bad to say. But now the Kings are getting crazy. But like we saw the Cavs. They moved on from Larry Drew today. Like they're not like and they 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 said nice things about Larry Drew. They like how he helped Colin Sexton get better as the year went on. But I feel like they realized that Larry Drew's not going to be the guy to like take it to the next level. I feel like the Bulls should have done that with Boylan. And, and the Grizzlies just fired Bickerstaff. So, um, like they're trying to go in a new direction. So it's just like there's and their GM and Chris Wallace, their GM finally got he got canned as well finally because I feel like he's been kind of low key bad uh, since the grit and grind thing has fallen apart. Like the Grizzlies have botched a ton of stuff with like drafts and kind of bereft down there. But you see accountability there across the league with just. But here, it's just everything's fine. Like they, everything's fine. This young core is great. Everything's gonna be fine as long as they're healthy. It's like at, just, at some point, the accountability has to be there. Like I, that's why I, I think I said this on a previous pod. Like next season, I mean, there's I mean, they're setting these expectations. Like playoff team. Like okay, fine. Like if you want to do that, if they're bad again next season, fucking quit. Like get out of here. And that was another thing they brought. Up. I think somebody asked like. Has Jerry Reinsdorf like ever like has he made like an ultimatum to like hey if this rebuild doesn't work like you guys are done and Paxson said that no I mean I feel like that's like the perfect epitome right there like I feel like yes like this rebuild should be it for them if it doesn't work they're done and like but the owner won't do it because like he, care. he I don't know if it's, doesn't he, he doesn't he doesn't care he's just so loyal where it's like it's like dude like at some point like the, the these guys have to have they need to have something to show for it so like. Next season, if they're going to talk about playoffs, they're going to talk this big game about being a playoff team. Go out and fucking prove it. If you don't make the playoffs this year, quit, please. Or somebody fires somebody. Like, I'm I'm almost happy they're talking this big game because then if they do fail and if they fail miserably, it's on them, and that and then they should be done. Either quit or they should be fired, and then and that's that. So I feel like next year is setting up for a big season. Because I feel like because of that, at least I hope. I guess that might, that might be misguided because we every year we say like they need these guys need to be fired blah 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 it doesn't happen no matter like how bad things go nothing happens there's no accountability next season you're talking playoffs you're talking this big game if they don't do it fire yourself yeah man uh, you got the you got the <laughs> spirit you got the passion I don't know if John Paxson has it anymore and did you see I don't know if you watched the press conference today 
Jackson had I, this I, I serial not, I was killer so smile on his face the entire time. Like he was like laughing throughout the press conference when last time he was in front of the media, he said it was a big interrogation. I guarantee you someone coach Paxton to be like, John, you know, put a smile on your face. Have some fun while you're answering these <laughs> questions. Meanwhile, he probably is like dying inside because he knows he's in totally over his head. He knows he's fucked up the entire season and he knows that there's really not greener grass for this franchise on the other side it's so yeah it's so funny because i told myself like i was on twitter today like i was reading through like the tweets and like i said i did not watch it i was i was doing work and then trying to just read read through twitter at the same time i didn't really want to watch it i feel like it would just made me mad but i was like oh you know i'm not even i can't even find myself getting worked up over this anymore these press conferences are so boring it's the same thing year after year and now here i am like going fucking apeshit over this i just i got my i got the spirit and the passion is back thanks at least thank, thanks john paxton for that i got he's got he's got me yeah. having having some big Dude, time spirit. even like there's likely uh, a scenario next year where they win like 36 games maybe but like don't really come that close to making the playoffs and then it's gonna be like where's the next step Right, because I feel like they'll see that. As, I mean, you take a fourteen-game leave. I mean, you see that as hey, this is a nice, nice step. I mean, that like the king, the king situation is just so funny. Because like, the Kings are one of the most fun teams of the uh of the season this year. They ended up faltering down the stretch. I think they were like three or four games over five hundred at some point, in like February around the All Star break, and then they faltered. They end up th- still thirty-nine and forty-three, big leap. They were expected to be like the worst team in the year, and then everybody gets fired. Like it, it's so like. If the bull, if the Bulls win thirty five games next year, can they can they fire everybody still? They, no, because like if they take a 14, 15 game leap, even if they miss the playoffs by say whatever five or six games, the eight seed gets like forty one, forty two wins a game. Uh, again, if the Bulls w- add fifteen wins, like people are going to see that as a success, and I feel like that would be kind of fair. But it's like if, still like where would they go from there? Like what it what would be the next step if they if they're like a 35, 36 win team, but they don't really twenty twenty is not like a big free agent class like. I, I guess where would you go? Like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they'd probably have to try to make another move, but we know that the Bulls never make trades for the 15 years Paxson's been the GM. He's basically never made a trade uh, to improve. Besides out of Porter Jr. Besides for out of Porter Jr. and then the deal for Brad Miller and John Salmons back in the day. So, uh, yeah, the Bulls, I mean, Paxson is putting a little bit of pressure on himself next year. That is a good thing. Uh, but I just don't see how many outs he has, man. And I think he's cracking inside. Someone also asked him today, like, do you still enjoy doing this job? He's like, oh, yeah, I'm burning with more passion than ever. Yeah, right, dude. You know that you are blowing this. You know everyone hates you. There's never been more of a critical spotlight on the front office than there is right now. The Bulls are the laughing stock of the entire league. They're the laughing stock of the Chicago sports landscape. Everyone knows that they're trash, and they're trash because there's no accountability for this garbage-ass front office. So- and it's crazy because they know it. They know it, too. Because there was the whole uh, – Stefan did that whole thing with Michael Reinsdorf. They know it. They hear all the negativity. They know they it. There was, there was there's the there's subscribers to the podcast. Yeah. like <laughs> They know how much negativity is out there, and like they're trying to sell the patience, which I still kind of get, but it's like – but I mean, I guess they're not selling patience because they're talking about. That's kind of funny though, because like they talk about how rebuilds take so long, but now they're already selling them as like a playoff team. I don't know. It's just kind of all over the place. And he he did say, and I think he said something along the ultimatum line. He mentioned that he does kind of realize the nature of the business, so maybe he is feeling some pressure. Like if they don't do well next year, that maybe he will be gone. I I I really I really don't know. Uh, I guess we'll see. I feel like this is a good time though to. 
before we finish up, we're going to talk about some of the individual players that to wrap up the pod, but I think this is a good time to go in and get a word in from our sponsor. Life can be stressful, but getting life insurance shouldn't be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At getethos.com, there are no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars. No hours of paperwork or meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress, and getting life insurance shouldn't cause it. Discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos and get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in minutes. Just go to getethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S, getethos.com, getethos.com. All right, so to wrap up here, I figured we'd kind of just maybe do like some rapid fire, go through basically all the players on the roster, quick rundown of how they did, how we thought they did the season, maybe give a, a nice little player grade at the end. So uh, I guess we could start with Zach Levine. We mentioned, I feel like he was better than really any of us could have expected. Give us your quick take on Zach Levine's season and what yeah, you thought. Yeah, still about. didn't impact winning at a high level at all. But I mean, if you just look at the raw numbers, uh, you know, he improved his assist percentage to essentially a career high. Uh, he was scoring at greater volume with better efficiency than ever. Uh, and, you know, he was carrying the offense throughout the the first, what, third of the season, basically, or the first quarter of the season when there was just no other, no one else to do the job. So uh, I think I'd give Levine probably a B. I think that that's fair. What do you think? Yeah, I would say B, B plus. Like, obviously, his defense is still bad. He had questionable decision making, but I feel like my, I guess, I guess it'd be like a B plus, maybe relative to my expectations. I didn't hate them matching the nine four year seventy eight million dollar offer sheet from the Kings, but I, I was kind of eh on it because I, he was I was was never like a huge. I, I guess I liked his, his skill set. I guess coming out of UCLA, he was okay in Minnesota. He's obviously super athletic. Won a couple dunk, dunk contests. He's a good shooter. But then after the ACL, I'm very skeptical about it. We've known about the defense. And again, I kind of feel like he had almost as good of a year as you could really hope. So that's why I think I, I'm not going to give him an A just because like the defense was still bad. He had moments where it was really bad with turnovers. But when you score an efficient, whatever, 23-24 game, I know it was on a bad team, but when it, a lot of times you're, the bad team thing is that you're going to shoot a lot and score a lot. But I feel like he, he was efficient enough. He had that amazing February. I would give, I think, Zach a solid B-plus even. So, yeah, he had a nice year. I, I like Zach. I think he's – he works hard. Clearly, I think he's trying to be a leader. Like I, I'm, I'm going to give Zach Levine a chance, especially moving forward. Uh, we already tackled Markinen's grade a little bit on our last. We did. I think we gave him like a B or B plus as well. I feel like I think yeah, that was I what we gave him. I can't remember. B B minus. I would say like really, he didn't improve too much. He had trouble staying healthy. Now we sound like yeah. John Paxson blaming the player for getting hurt. Uh, but you know, durability is yeah, a no. thing that. Uh, he's going to be yeah. under the microscope with next year. The three-point percentage, I think that you know, for for two years now, we've believed that he's a better shooter than his percentages indicate. Ends this year, I think it's thirty-seven percent uh, for just about the second year in a row. So, uh, to me, pro- probably a B minus because I, I don't think he made any marketed any marketed improvements. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's fair. I guess, again, like relative to expectations, I feel like B minus is because I feel like we had big expectations for him coming into this season. And again, yeah, the injury did not help, but he started coming off the injury. He wasn't very good. He did have like the one big month. And then after that, 
he had the health scare again. So I, I think the one big month gets him at least up into that B B minus range, but I think that's totally fair. Um, I guess next out of the, we might as well go to Chris Dunn then third out of the the uh, the Jimmy Butler trade. Uh, I am basically done with Chris Dunn at this point. He did not take any steps forward. I feel like he was even his defense was almost overrated this year as well. I feel like there were a lot of games where he kind of got torched. He still can make plays and he gets deflections and all that, but uh, again, I feel like he got torched quite a bit. Uh, offense, we've talked a lot about his offensive shortcomings. Doesn't shoot threes, doesn't shoot free throws, takes a lot of bad mid-range little jumpers. And I, and I just feel like I don't like his I, 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 his attitude, I guess. I feel like he thinks he's a lot better than he is. Like, and there were, I, I can't, I'd have to pull up the quotes again that I saw from uh, just a couple days ago just about uh, then like bringing in another point guard. Or, or, no, it was something about how like, you know, like when I first came back, like I was really aggressive and I was – and I was scoring. I had some good, big games. But then he was like, oh, well, you know, but that was taking shots away from Lowry. So I, I took a step back. And then it just kind of fell apart. It's like, well, you just weren't that good in general, dude. So like, he was I, like if I would have known we were doing a multiple ball handler system, yeah. I would have trained differently. I've had the ball in my hands my entire life. Bro, you're just not that good. Yeah. Now, I'm not totally writing him off. And it doesn't sound like the balls are either. Paxton said today yeah. that uh, he basically said that they're not writing him off. But. Uh, he's in a big prove-it year next season. It's going to be his fourth year in the league. He'll be playing for a new contract. I think that there's definitely going to be another point guard on the team next year, whether that's a young guy like Darius Garland or John Morant, or whether that's a veteran like Big Gulp, D. Rose, <laughs> or uh, Patrick Beverly, or Ricky Rubio, or Darren Collison. It's going to be someone. I mentioned Patrick Beverly. I feel like Beverly seems like Paxson talked about and Boylan talked about how they need to be more physical and like mentally strong. I mean, Patrick Beverly would obviously bring a whole – he's got a huge chip on his shoulder. The dude is – a. they like to talk about being dogs. Like, Patrick Beverly is actually plays like a dog. Like, the guy's uh, – he's he's a really – he's a Chicago guy. He plays his ass off. He's a good, pretty good three-point shooter. Like, I would be all for Patrick Beverly uh, coming to the Bulls. I'd be – Why would you want to come to the Bulls, though? Like, if you – Right. I mean, the Clippers are like a – the Clippers are a good, fun team. Like, I feel like it would be hard to pull them away from the Clippers. I guess they, they could try to pay him a lot, but – I. I guess you don't want to overpay for Patrick Beverly. So I don't know if I want to give a grade to Chris. Like, I guess I did say I was done with Chris. I'm done with Chris Dunn as the starter. Like, I do not think he can be the starter for this team moving forward. I would give him a chance if he wants to be the backup next season and to see where it goes from there. I think, I honestly think they're going to trade him. Uh, I'm not sure what they're going to get for him, but I think they're going to try to trade him. We'll see what happens. Uh, I would give his season like a D, D plus maybe. Dude, I, he had some moments. Moment. You went hotter than me, so I, I like Darius. He had a few moments, like one of his last games. He had those, he had a few big threes. I mean, it was against the Wizards. A late game against the Wizards doesn't mean anything. Uh, he had the nice game against the Spurs. Closed that game out in San Antonio. Spurs are a really good road team, but I just in general, like his efficiency was like lower than last year, which was already like well below average. I, I feel like he regressed defensively. So again, he was injured again, but when you take in, he was injured again. He didn't, he was basically worse de- offensively and defensively. I, I can't give him any more than D. I feel like he was just not any good. <laughs> That's hard, harsh. It is. I mean, this may, this might just be biased because I just have never been a fan really of his game. Like I was skeptical after his first season in Minnesota because I thought he was awful when I watched him there. He, he was better last season, but even in his first season with the Bulls, like he had his moments, but he also had a ton of games where he would shoot like, three of 15 and like, and that's why his true shooting percentage was still like sub 49 last year. And then this year was even lower. So just like, I just don't see it with him. I feel like he's probably a bench point guard at best. We'll see what they end up doing with him. I think I'm going to say right now, I think they're going to trade him, but we'll see. Uh, 
moving on, I guess we should probably go to Wendell Carter's the next guy in line for uh, you talked about him. You think he, he really promising player. I, I would agree. He had, he had a few really big games. I think he, I don't think he's ever going to be a guy who puts up huge numbers. He's going to be a guy who kind of just blends in, does a lot of really things well. We saw some of the defensive prowess he has. I, I think he's just going to be like a huge – he's going to be just so important with the defense alone. The Bulls were one of the worst defensive teams in the league all season, and that was even with Wendell, but you can't expect a, a 19-year-old to anchor a defense. Like You have to be really special to do that. Uh, and he's not, he might not be on that level, but I feel like overall, I'd probably give him like probably a, a B as well. Like he had moments offensively where I feel like he probably disappeared too much and the defense was really awful. Not that I want to blame him, but I, mean, I think he was probably just a, a solid B for his rookie season. What do you think? Yeah, I think that that's probably fair. Maybe a B minus because my expectations were, were pretty high going into the season. That's uh, I think I ranked him as the number one most impressive rookie in summer league. Uh, he was really good at summer league. He was great in summer league, and he he did have some really impressive stretches for the Bulls. Uh, what was most impressive is that mentally he already seemed to be there. Like he was tight on his rotations. It seemed like he was able to read pick and rolls. They you know read when to blitz, when to drop back. He was pretty good on the boards. I think he did get a little overpowered at times while he was nineteen the whole season. He's going to gain a lot of muscle as he goes uh, throughout his career in the league. So you know. At the end of the day, it's just really disappointing that he suffered the injury because seeing Markin and Carter together was probably the biggest appeal of this whole season. It's going to be likely the biggest appeal in the next season too, barring what happens in the draft lottery. So, yeah, I'll give Wendell. I think I think a B is fair for him, but uh, really excited for the future with him and Lowry and want to see how they play off each other. Uh, and you know, he he's going to be one of the big guys for this franchise moving forward. That's obvious. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Jabari Parker, F. I think we can move yeah. on from there. From there. Uh, I guess Otto Porter Jr. I would probably give him after. I, obviously, the s- sample size is very small. Uh, I'd probably give him an A minus, B plus. I feel like the defense wasn't quite there. Uh, it's something he has been better at in the past. I don't. Like I said I feel like the whole, t- whole team was just so bad defensively. Where I don't even know how much of I can judge him. Uh, and he had, did have to deal with some of his injuries. I know he had the hip thing coming over from Washington. He had a few other problems. But his offense was so much better than I expected. He shot almost 50% from three. And some of the stuff he was doing off the dribble with his passing, I didn't really realize he had in his bag. So I, I'm pretty comfortable giving him in his short time shorts in this year. Yeah, I like A-minus. He was just absolutely on fire as a three-point shooter. Let's hope that that continues next year. As long as he's hitting you know, well north of 40% from three, uh, the Bulls are at least going to have that small forward position looking pretty good. Absolutely. Uh, let's go. I guess Robin Lopez. Robin Lopez. What a weird season for Robin Lopez. And I want to give a shout out to Robin Lopez for putting for two straight years, just kind of putting through with this nonsense at the end of seasons. Last year, he was basically benched as the team was taken. And then this year, he was like the lone actual like actual player playing with all these other Jamokes, and he never complained. He was always professional. He does a lot of fun stuff off the court. Weird season doesn't uh, other uh, on the court from as well because it looked like he was washed. Uh, when the season began, and with went was was Fred went with Wendell Carter, which I thought was the right move. You play play the young guys together, see how they grow. And Robin Lopez was coming off the bench. He looked slow. He looked old. He looked awful. Uh, and then and then all of a sudden, when after Wendell got hurt and Robin Lopez got put in the starting lineup, all of a sudden again he like turned into freaking Kareem or Will scoring at Will down low, like career best offense. Uh, I guess Robin Lopez probably gets. I got another like B. I guess B. My I think the first half of the season right. was so bad. Maybe, he, but he was also so good in the second half of the year. I feel like it just it evens out to like a B B minus probably. I I might even just give him a B or B plus just because I like his his old attitude and 
and all that. And uh, he was just a, a pro, a pro's pro, a real solid veteran to have around. I, I'm a, I'm a, a pro's pro in a chill bro's chill bro. I feel like he was like the one guy exactly. this year uh, who provided us with some comic relief and, uh, you know, with some really impressive play towards the end of the season. Now, like you said, he was averaging like five points a game, six points a game for the first few months, then started kicking it up around 15 uh, come February and maybe maybe even started that in January. But uh, I would like to bring back Robin Lopez, assuming the deal yeah, isn't that I'm big. Down. Like if you could get him for under five million a year, I think I'd like the room exception, I think, is something like four or five million. Like if you could do that, yeah. I'd be game. Yep, that makes sense to me as well. Uh, let's see who we got. Bobby Portis don't really care. He was hurt most. He played 22 games and he's gone now. I feel like good riddance at this point. Justin Holiday, thanks for the second round picks, dude. Uh, moving down the line, guys. Like let's let's go to Ryan Archidiakono. I would honestly give Ryan Archidiakono like an right. A or A minus relative to my expectations. I feel like blow them out of the water. I've mentioned this before. I laughed at them when they signed him. Like he didn't look like an NBA player. He's turned himself into a legitimate backup backup point guard. With that second thing, I, I don't know if you ever actually want him to be your backup point guard in a good team, but he's at least an NBA player. If he's like your third string point guard, he played really well this year. His number his numbers aren't going to jump out at you, but he was really efficient. He tries his ass off. He had one of the he probably had arguably the play of the season with that dive into the into Hell the stands yeah. and then the Zach Levine alley-oop. That was a great play. I would give him an AA minus. Like I said, that's I, I, I'm i curious to see what they're going to do about him. He's going to be a restricted free agent. Like I feel like they're going to have to pick. I guess this will transition into, into Shaq Harrison, who also I feel like, I mean, I, I guess I'm not a huge Shaq Harrison fan. I feel like his offense is just so bad where I, I don't know. I feel like if I had to pick one, I'd probably lean towards Arsh. But Shaq Harrison – I mentioned we talked about being a dog. I feel like Shaq Harrison is a dog. The guy plays his ass off defensively. He got shouted out by Zach Lowe and his his like all his Luke Walton All Stars for like role players who kind of bounced around and all of a sudden found their their niche. Shaq Harrison, he got a lot of minutes this year. He played seventy three games, almost twenty minutes a game. Guy plays his ass off on defense. Like I said, his offense is is broke as hell. Uh, I feel like I, I don't want, I don't know if pleasant surprise is the right word, but I'd probably give him like a B B B minus because I had zero expectations for him when they picked him up from the Suns. The, the Suns were a team needed like a point guard. Although I don't even know if you could count Shaq Harrison as a point guard at this point because he's more like an undersized wing who just tries really hard. But I guess who would who would you pick between Arch and Harrison if you like had to pick one? Yeah, Arch. I mean they're opposite players, whereas yeah. uh, Harrison is definitely the superior defensive player. Archie Diakno is the superior offensive player. Uh, I still like Archie Diakono more just because I feel like Harrison's a total non-factor offensively and as a shooting threat from the point guard position. Like you're going to need at least four shooters on the floor at all times. If you want to come in today's version of the game, you're definitely going to need one of those guys to be a point guard. So the offense is just so handicapped with Harrison out there much more than the defense is handicapped. Uh, with R.G. Diakono. So, it was, I mean, Arch tries hard. Uh, carefulness with the ball. I think he was one of the leaders in assist-to-turnover ratio yep, on the season. Was. He was one of the leaders in like a lot of the advanced stats, like BPM on the season. So uh, I'll roll R.G. Diakono with that. And I would like to see him come back next year. I don't know if I want him to be the true backup. Uh, right, no. Uh, but I would like him back. Yeah, I, I would. I would probably go. if he's their third string point guard. I'm totally happy with that. Totally fine with that. Uh, let's go, I guess go with Cameron Payne. Remember Cameron Payne <laughs> campaign game. Uh, uh, 
F. Uh, Chandler Hutchison, uh, rookie, the promise. Remember the Bulls made that made that promise early. I believe he shut down his workouts like super early. I have that right. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, and they took they took him twenty second. Uh, probably like a C C minus. Like he was obviously a terrible offensive player this season as a rookie. Can't shoot. Uh, kind of afraid to shoot, just a complete not. He did do some nice stuff in terms of cuts. I feel like as the year went on, he got a little more comfortable getting in the basket, cutting off the ball, make, stuff like that. And his defense, he projects to be a possible, a possible good defender. And the Bulls need badly need uh, good wing defenders. But obviously, just in terms of making an impact, did not do much this season. CC minus. What do you think? Rogerson, yeah, I think so. He didn't prove he's a you know NBA player whatsoever. Now for the Bulls, he's just a guy that can run out there at small four that they can say they're looking to develop. Uh, but I think you know he has a long way to go to prove himself towards being a legitimate NBA player. So uh, next year is going to be a big year for him, and then his third year too, because right now he's just a total unknown. Like his grade is basically incomplete. Yeah, that's that's definitely fair. Uh, but see, also, what was his? He's like a weird. It was a foot injury. I can't even remember what his injury was. It was so long ago. It was a, that was one of those where like, oh, like he'll be out for like a month or so, and then they'll like reevaluate and then and then reevaluate him then. And then he all of a sudden, I think they announced that he had some weird thing. I don't even think he's he's uh totally healthy yet. Like it ended up being some weird thing, which is very bulls. Like this, oh, this what I think it was like a broken foot or fractured toe or something like that. And it turns into a, like a three month, four month injury. Like of course, but uh. Yeah, big year for second year will be big for him. Hopefully, he can develop some kind of a jump shot. I guess we'll we'll see. Uh, I guess we'll get a couple other like the end of bench guys. Like, do you want Wayne Selden back? Like, I thought he did some yeah, nice like things with his back. overall his overall numbers. I I guess I just don't know like how many of these end of bench guys like do they can they will right. they have TLC room for like do they Selden. really want like TLC is garbage. They don't need to keep him. Absolutely, like he should not be on the team next year. Uh, Blake Blakeney's got a guaranteed. Like, I don't know why his contract is guaranteed. They, I mean, they could easily, obviously, just eat the money. It's like it's like a minimum deal. But I mean, there's no reason for him to be on the yeah. team next season. But he's got a guarantee. He's got guaranteed money. Uh, and then there's, I think this will basically be the last guy. Uh, big Cristiano Felicio. Big Chris. Uh, it's he's probably getting an F or a D. Like he had like a few games where he was all right, but like this point, he's I mean, he's taken up eight million on the cap for the next couple seasons. He's just not good. It's so disappointing. I feel like we, we were. He was like a cult, almost like a cult, cult hero. Like just kind of, kind of guy when he was coming up. He did some really nice things as like a rim runner. Uh, he, I feel like he wasn't totally terrible defensively. But he's just got the worst hands. He like never knows what he's doing out there. He's just, he's just bad at basketball. It's, it's so disappointing. Would you give him anything better I than that? I never want to discuss Felicio or look at Felicio the rest of my life. F. <laughs> F. Uh, and I guess and this bowl season I'd probably would this, would you give this bowl season as a whole an F? Uh, yeah or yes, would you give him a D, would you give him a D minus would we give him a D minus just because of the February uh, I'm gonna go F F all right F F absolutely I mean when you lose sixty games even if you have a, I mean every I feel like no matter even there's there's teams when you have a bad season I feel like every team goes through a hot stretch we saw the Suns win go through a hot stretch this season we saw the Bulls go through a hot stretch. The Knicks even won a couple seasons in a row. There's at a point in every season, especially when you get in the dog days of the season, where like even the bad teams look good. So while I while I am somewhat optimistic about some of these young guys uh, moving forward, the front court, I, I'm a fan of Zach. Uh, what they did in February, 
uh, with Zach and Lowry. And then when Wendell comes back, like, while I'm a fan of these guys, it's just hard to not give the season enough considering we talked about the embarrassing losses, the coaching stuff, the front office still being here and there being no accountability. It's, you know what? It's on you, John yeah. Paxson. It's on you, Gar Foreman. Uh, you guys are so paranoid of people trying to take you down because you know you're not cut out for this. You know that under any other professional environment to see someone fail like this, an executive role that uh, you would be replaced. But of course, Jerry Reinsdorf just doesn't care. All he wants to do is chill and be old and rich and, you know, not expectations for the Bulls as low as possible. So just a truly humiliating season for the Bulls from start to finish. Uh, The Bulls were going to be bad this entire year, man. They end up winning 22 games. Yes, they had some injuries. Of course, that's going to happen every year, even with, you know, a normal amount of injuries that a team sustains during an NBA season. They're still totally trash. And, uh, you know, without some massive internal improvement or, you know, some major luck in the lottery. I just don't see a lot of reasons to be optimistic moving forward. I'll, I'll, t- I'll definitely talk myself into it once next season rolls around, no matter even what happens in the lottery. I'll talk myself into it. I'll say they can win. I'll probably, like this year, I said they were going to win like 35 games. I'll probably talk myself into that by this time, by the time, the start of next season. Uh, especially, I guess, if they get Zion, I'll maybe I'll say they're a playoff team and just get real stupid about that. But, uh, I guess, would you think they'd be, they could, would you say they were a playoff team if they get Zion? Do you think he's that good? Uh, yeah. I mean, like the Magic were a playoff team this year. What yeah. do they have? 42 wins? Something like that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to see what else they do. True. Yeah, so I guess on that note, with about Zion, a reminder the Bulls finished with the fourth worst record in the league, 22 and 60. So that gives them a 12.5% chance. At the number one pick, which should be Zion Williamson. Don't outsmart yourself. Whoever gets the number one pick, take Zion Williamson. I've seen people talk about John Morant being number one. Uh, it's probably – it's either smokescreen or they're just full of shit or they're just stupid. I mean, Zion's going to be the number one guy. He should be the number one guy. Uh, like I said, 12.5% chance for number one. That This also means that they have a 48% chance in the top four, and the, far, the furthest they can drop is number eight, I believe. Let's hope that doesn't happen because this draft, not the biggest – fan of this draft i mean we we saw some top some some possible other picks in this ncaa tournament that just finished up we saw jared culver and deandre hunter go at it in the title game deandre hunter outplayed culver pretty badly uh i guess quick there would you you would still take culver over hunter correct because i know you've been really high on culver yeah i think that culver just has a lot more ability as a perimeter offensive yeah. player the passer can't creator. dribble Hunter really can't do much in terms of putting the ball on the deck. Or he's he's a catch and shoot guy on offense with a slow release. Defensively, he is good as a point of attack defender, but a lot of NBA defenses like switch and recover, and I don't know how good he is at that part of it. So uh, to me, Culver all day. But Culver did not look great towards the end of Madison. Those last three games, Culver to Evan Turner, saying that he might just be Oof. a Turner, and you know that was kind of scary to me. That's something that's going to be sticking yeah. in my head. So yeah. uh, we'll see. Yeah, and then obviously the other Duke guys, Cam Reddish declared, uh, RJ Barrett, really polarizing. So I get, we'll, we will see. This draft will be really interesting after Zion and after, I guess, Ja will probably go two or three. Barrett will probably go through as well. Maybe we'll, maybe Culver will sneak in high. We'll see. Mar- May 14th, though, NBA draft lottery. We'll, we'll be looking out for that. They'll be uh, crossing our fingers there. But I guess until then uh, – no bulls for a while now, which is great. We'll we'll find we'll still find plenty of stuff to talk about. The playoffs are coming up, which I mean, the playoffs are always a ton of fun. 
Shout out to Blue Wire, Blue Wire Pods, which we are a part of. We will be doing a special, uh, not just us, but the entire network. We were we will be doing a playoff special playoff podcast, just recapping games, all that kind of stuff. That be called Blue Wire Buckets from guys all across the network. I plan on being involved. I think Ricky's planning on being involved. We'll be talking about NBA playoffs. We'll be actually be talking about good basketball. So that so that'll be fun to help it hold us over until the draft lottery, until the draft, and until free agency starts, which will obviously that's always a lot of fun. But uh, I guess now it's just a great time to turn the page on this bowl season. Let's let's get this put this F season, this fucking failure of a season in the past, and move forward. And yeah, I guess I guess that's all I got. You 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 good, Ricky? F stands for failure, Jason. Yeah, F stands uh, for failure. That's it. Yep, that's it. And so that was Cash Considerations Blue Wire Podcast. Again, li- li- watch out for our playoff pods, Blue Wire Buckets. Go follow us on Twitter at, at Blue Wire Pods. And uh, from Jason and Ricky, take it easy, guys. Thank God this fucking season is over. <laughs> Later. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.